0: Welcome back to Turf Talk. It's finally the Cheltenham Festival. Whether you like it or not, it's what all the season builds up to nowadays. Four days of the best race in action. There's also a Mare's Novice Hurdle. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be good fun. Jim Watson is going to be here to talk about all four days with me. And as we have done for the last few years, we're going to have a different guest on for each day. And kicking off the Tuesday Arguably the best day of the festival is, well, not arguably, the best entrant in Tipstar 2022, winning it as a second-season novice after making the final in 2020 as well, where he beat me as well. <laughs> oh, well, I can't even say who he works for because he does so much nowadays. Dan Overall's back, how are we, pal?
1: <laughs> uh, an entrant's very befitting, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. He's got jocked-off champion, though, uh, so we'll have to edit that one in. but. <laughs> Very well, thank you, mate, yeah. uh, Nearly there, nearly there of Cheltenham week. A lot to talk about, a lot to dive into. Let's crack on.
0: Uh, Jim, lost in translations, entered in the Ultima, so you'll be of no use whatsoever on this podcast.
2: Oh, thanks. All that such massive, (laughs) massive build-up. Jim Watson will be here for all four days, soon to be five probably next year. Um, However, um, Dan gets all this build-up, And then I get absolutely smashed back down. You're no use. (laughs) Just Jim talking in the background. Uh, so anyway, looking forward to it. Great to have Dan on and hopefully, um, we can point you in the right direction for the first day of the festival. Hopefully,
0: mate, you may be of use of six of the races that one will just be propaganda. We all know that. And we'll start off with what arguably is going to be the highlight of the festival. The supreme novices hurdle. What a renewal it looks this year. Sir Gerhard, currently two to one fav to be at Constitution Hill at nine to four, Dice at Dynamo eleven to four, John Bonnet nine to two, Kill Cruz eight, eleven's Mighty Potter, fourteen. State Man and Pied Piper likely to go elsewhere. Then you're looking at sixteen to one El Fabiolo and twenty to one bar, top four in the market, unbeaten over hurdles, all looking like smashing prospects. I'll come to you first, Mr. Watson, where are you leaning at this stage, assuming to go hard runs here?
2: Yeah, there's, there's, it seems that Willie Mullins and Nicky Anderson will have the, the stronghold in this, and the, the horse that I've been most impressed with uh, is Constitution Hill. I know that he's the youngest and probably the least experienced of, of the quartet. Uh, however, what he did, I, 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 and I say it every year, and I get really excited, when a winner of the Tollworth absolutely bolts up, and the Tollworth form turns out to be absolute tosh. Um, However, this year, I've I've got that feeling that it's going to be this year, uh, and uh, I've I've been nothing but impressed. His performance at Sandown, first time out, beating Mai Tai, I, I, I was blown away. I was all over Mai Tai, I thought. His form at Newton Abbott was really, really good. He beat some nice horses there. Uh, and going into sundown, he, he was going to take a hell of a lot of beating uh, and this f- relatively unknown second in a point to point uh, come tr- trotting alongside him uh, under effortless, really, uh, and glanced alongside him and, and ex- accelerated away. Um, he then went on to the Tolworth performance where nothing was even in the right postcode with him. Um, the form of that's mix and matching behind, and, and probably not good. But I think that's just an exception. Uh, I've never been so impressed with a with a novice bit so far this season, and I think he's going to take all the beating. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him out again. Um he's he's only gone round Sandown, which could be a slight question mark going to Cheltenham uh, with a, with not much relative experience. Um, he does jump out to his left a little bit which round sundown wasn't ideal but at Cheltenham I think will certainly be a lot more up his street and I'm, I, I think he's got an absolutely outstanding chance, I think he's the, the strongest of the Nicky Henderson pair and the strongest of the Willie Mullins pair um, and he's, he, I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing him out again and, and I've not got that excited about novices in a very long time um, so I, I think 9-4 to four is a fair enough price for a possible monster
0: I like it, mate. I like it, mate. Talking it up, Dan. Where are you leading at this stage, mate? You know what? It's
1: refreshing to hear someone like Constitution Hill because all I seem to hear is people bashing him and the fact he's only gone to sand down. He hasn't gone left-handed. He can't win. But I I mean, I absolutely adore the horse. I think there's a horse in this lineup you can be assured that will handle the conditions, handle the way the the, the Cheltenham atmosphere is, and the way the race will be run at a strong pace. It's him. I mean, a lot of these, you've got John Bond, who I know he's maybe proving to be effective on the track, but we know his tendencies pre-race and post-race at 80,000 people at Cheltenham in I would be concerned about his temperament in that environment. Dice at Dynamo just goes off extremely quick out in front. He's quite keen on the track. I think he might just end up setting it up for something if he goes here. And others, I, I would just doubt whether they'd handle the conditions here. I think mean, in a normal race, Mighty Potters a cracking each way better a double figure price, And if you were to ask me now who I'd have a bet on, it would be Marty Potter each way because I just think there's no way he'll be a double figure price on the day. But uh, from a win perspective, yeah, Constitution Hill, for me, I think he's a a fantastic horse. Nico, the Boyneville in interviews has almost been putting him in the same breath as Shishkin and Altior. I think the question he was asked was, as a novice hurdler, is he an exciting horse that you've ever sat on? And he answered, not yes, not no. His answer was, certainly. Like, he's of that ilk, in my view, and quality-wise. And as you say, his form isn't all that bad, if you look into it. That defeat of Mai Tai on his course debut, nonetheless, reads pretty well considering Mai Tai only finished four lengths behind John Bon. Admittedly, there's swings at the weights there, but he did that so comfortably. He's handled every ground condition that's come his way. He's relaxed. He has a turn of foot. He jumps well. I know he's only had two runs over hurdles, but he doesn't look like a horse who's that inexperienced. And to me... Yeah, he's he's a hugely exciting novice and where I would be aiming for win purposes at the minute.
2: Oh, it's refreshing to hear someone back something up after you've just absolutely given everything there. <laughs> uh, I think Sir Gerhard is the complete opposite of constitution. He can't jump for toffee, can he, Lou? And I know you're, you're, you're a big fan of Sir Gerhard.
0: Uh, I'm a big fan of Sir Gerhard, but not for this race, and I wouldn't back him if he turned up here. He'd, he'd be the... Of the top four in the betting had a ranking fourth for me. And look, his form is the best. The race he won at the Dublin Racing Festival was a much better event than anything Constitution Hill dice at Dynamo or John would have competed in yet. But he just bungled, didn't he? Bungled and bungled every time he got to a hurdle. Looked confused by it. And he can't do that in a Supreme. A Ballymore against less pacey opposition, where they won't come as thick and fast, I can kind of see him getting away with that more. In the Supreme, if he jumps like that, he will have to be a monster to beat this lot. Uh, Wait, be though, he jumped woman.
1: well on debut, though, didn't he? His jumping was like the the standout point on his hurdling debut. And as you say, he made a couple of quite bad errors the last oh. day. I, I I don't know... If it's a riding style, maybe if he goes Ballymore, they have to ride him more patiently. Or if they want to go out in front again over two and a half, would be a stretch. But he's a weird one. Again, with only two runs over hurdles, maybe it's hard to say either way if he's a good or a bad jumper. But yeah, I'd say in a supreme, it would be more of a concern than a Ballymore.
2: He made all first time out over hurdles, though, didn't he? And, and all he does his make
1: cool. Yeah, That's what he does.
2: And, and you feel like if Willy Willy's just won both, Dice Art is going to try and do the same. Or kill here either as well, you'd think.
0: Well
2: yeah. Yeah. You have seen that in other races. So it'd be interesting to see the pace angle in this race and I think this is this is why mine and Dan's
1: point is it'll just set it up perfectly for Constitution Hill. Yeah, he's the one tactically diverse. Like you don't you can put him anywhere really, can't you? And like yeah. you wouldn't be too worried. John Bon as well, he doesn't he isn't tactically dependent either. And he's shown now a couple of times he can sit in either slowly run races, obviously where he beat uh Kona Mustard and I like to move it was back in the field that day as well. That was a very slowly run race and he quickened up well. The last time out was a strongly run affair and he handled that in a certain fashion. So he's done it as well. Uh, but I just think, yeah, it's it's strange because dice Dynamo as well. Like he's just gone out in front, never seen another horse. And I was on a, a panel the other day and the out of Constitution hill bashing. They were about saying he's never been in a race, won't know what to do when he has to actually go ahead and, and put an effort towards it. I was a bit confused because I was like, guys, so Gerhard and Dyser Dynamo i have not seen another rival over hurdles yet. Not horses that got near them. Yeah. So so, so if you're applying that to Constitution Hill, like you've got to fight the same way. Um so I, 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 those criticisms of Constitution Hill to me are overplayed. Um and he's had to actually go about and go past horses, which has surely gotta be a plus as opposed <laughs> to Dice at Dynamo and to Gerhard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree that Sigard's jumping was, was very good on debut. For an office I I I don't mind them being a bit chancy every now and then, but it, I guess Sigard was the opposite of chancy. He was a bit ponderous and he was like he was having to think about it as he was doing it. Uh, it's strange to see all step back, really, second time up, I guess, especially producing a performance of the level he did. I have nothing against Constitution Hill. I think he's cracking. Uh, I'm, I think I've been most impressed by Dice at Dynamo of them, of them, though. And he might just be the fastest in this race, I think. And at the minute, he's probably where I'm leaning. D- 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 well, constitution Hill is, is a horse of immense, immense promise, and he might be the best thing since sliced bread. Very, very possibly. But it, to do what Dynamo did to a, a fair yardstick in Gringo the Brel without looking like he was ever having to be asked for any sort of effort, it it, it just took me the sort of all that Yeah, if, if if he gets into this sort of lead, you know, because it's uh I say if, if Sir Gerhard jumps as badly as he did last time out, there's no way he'll be able to keep tabs on Dice at Dynamo. I don't think even if he tries, because he'll be losing half a length here and there, and he'll be on he'll be on the back foot. So if you know if if he's allowed to go into that sort of lead, he's the one they've got to to peg back. You know, and I I completely understand that. Yeah, it is a possibility that it sets it up for Constitution Hill. And I can I can kind of envisage, you know, Dice at Dynamo being scrubbed along, turning for home, and Constitution Hill being six lengths down, seven lengths down, but tanking. You know, and just a sense of the inevitable of what's about to come. I can see that. I can also kind of see Dice at Dynamo leading at the line and Constitution Hill doing his best work at the finish and not getting there. In time, I will also be a massive Dobshite on Twitter on John. if John Bond wins, and we've not really talked about him yet, uh, I love him. I probably will back him for my own amusement.
2: Uh, <laughs> Do you not feel like he's like? And there is a lot of hatred, and as, especially for myself. And I not Especially reason from myself. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. I, I, maybe I don't, it shouldn't be the price tag because that that's not something that often gets me angry. But I just I, it's not I don't want him to be good. But I think being so well related, it it sets so much up, and we've probably been led on so many times about these well bred horses being as good as as, as brothers and dads and mums and Palava. Um, that I just want to actually see it happen, and when it probably does happen. It'll probably click to me and go, yeah, he's he's a good horse. But until I see it, I'll I'll continue to slay it. And I I know that Rossington main race is is turning out to be all right. Um, We saw the eventual fourth in Nelson go on and win that grade two at at Kelso at the weekend. Uh, And Richmond later on was in the process of running a nice race in behind. Um, But I'm, I'm still not fully... Like, Dan mentioned it early on. His temperament is something I'd worry about. At the first Cheltenham back for nearly two years, there's going to be 80,000 people. The buzz is going to be unreal. And I've just got a feeling he could boil over a little bit before the start, going down to the start, in the parade. I think there's going to be a lot of people there. This is not going to be Haydok on a rainy Saturday January. Um, it's, it's it's where the big boys play, and I think he could be found out here.
0: But Jim, do you, do you not think... And I, I guess I could ask this to Dan as well. Because it's something you both touched on. Is his temperament just like a rumor, more more than actual evidence that's played on the track? A bar in his bumper, where he was very keen. But I don't mind seeing a horse clearly superior to everything else, being keen up against inferior opposition. Because I, I get, you know, if you ask you Saint Bolt to go jogging with me, he'd probably want to go quicker. You know what I mean? So that to me. Probably. It doesn't matter. He's running... <laughs> All three races have been run farcically. The first two specifically run farcically to try and get him beat. I've I've not seen any evidence of John Bond having a screw loose on the track yet.
1: Uh, on, on the track, during the races, maybe not so much. But he has sweated up before and plenty. Feverly. I think the last day as well, he was uh, in the winner's enclosure and was... Like basically, I'd say no cameras, everyone get away from him because he was going a bit nuts afterwards. So it's definitely not just rumour. I, I do think the Newbury Gallup's day was overplayed, um, as I think pretty much anything on a Gallup's day tends to be, because it, we're working very limited evidence in a very short space of time. So I think that was uh, overplayed to an extent. But I, there is definitely something there about him as a horse. He's not as professional as Constitution Hill. Of that, there is no doubt.
2: I can imagine John Bond walking into Hadox Parade Ring and just going, no cameras please, like (laughs) Barry Colton. Just JPs covering cameras and Nicky Henderson saying, no, go away. I I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Diva.
0: I don't care if he's a diva off the track, boys, as long as he behaves himself on it, and that's all he's done so far. uh, Like like I say, I I, I, I don't like supposing negative things about horses until i've seen it myself personally but until i've seen it actually affect a performance and i kind of get yeah cheltenham could could make him boil over it also might not and there's no evidence to suggest either way so it personally it wouldn't be something i'd be i'd i'd have in mind really uh and it's the sort of thing that with john as well, every negative thing about him gets overstated because of who he is because he's duvon's brother you know, he cost an arm and a leg. Uh, I, I like getting behind him. <laughs> I think he's, you know, he's beaten better horses than Constitution Hill and Dice at Dynamo in strange races that haven't been conducive to impressive performances. So the fact that he's come away from both very impressively. But, you know, the last two events, the graded events of Kennelgate and the Rossington Main. And I say to me, he's a horse of rare ability. That Kennel Gates, the best novice hurdle we've seen in Britain all season, even though it was a fast, the quality that, that was in that race, you know, the likes of Colonel Mustard, LA Bella, I like to move it. I say Napa Silva's the other one. You could probably have stuck, you could probably have stuck all of them in this, especially in a worse Supreme, and you could get people making each way chances for them all. You know, I like to move it almost with a Betfair last time, and the Betfair winner normally goes on single figures for this. So, you know, it, it it was a good race that he bolted up in, despite everything doing their best. <laughs> I mean, part of the reason the race was a fast was because they weren't playing their own game, and too many of them, to me, were looking to try and go. How how can we wind John one up? How can we unsettle him? Uh, <laughs> at the minute, <sighs> I find it hard to have a really strong opinion. i I've, i I've, I've, I think. You have like yourself, Jim and Dan, where you're dead keen on one, or you or you or you'll be like me and
2: sit I, on the fence I, like you always do. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I,
0: I'm, I'm not sitting. I don't. I don't think I'm a fence,er Jim, because I, I find it hard to have a strong opinion when they're horses who have won in very different styles, all of which very you know very impressively, and the one I'm against is the one who's probably likely to go a favourite.
1: Yeah, yeah, what, what I would say, to be fair, uh, I think that's a good distinction to make. Is uh, A lot of people are going to listen to a lot of previews and it's important to distinguish strong opinions versus what you think may happen. And what you'd say from a punting perspective in a race like this, in a market uh, which is going to have some fluctuations with one of the top four coming out and a, a lot of these won't end up running as well on the list, so it's going to make each way terms a bit difficult, is that It's a really tough betting contest. Like, it's a really tough, for all the reasons you've stated, different form lines coming into it from both sides of the Irish Sea, very different styles of running, a lot of factors that are perhaps a bit unknown. So again, like, for as much as I like Constitution as a horse, I don't think his absolute standout must be backed at, like, 9-4. to Yeah. I I think there's a a strong possibility, in fact, I would say it's almost certain that it will be, if not that price, a bit bigger on the day. There's no need to rush out and back him now. Uh, and my betting opinion will change as the market develops. But as of right now, I think Constitutional is the most likely winner. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not a, a race I'd be keen to deposit my life savings on. No way, because it's it's more above anything else going to be a fascinating race to watch and one which I think we could all agree plenty of high-class horses are going to come out of.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, like I agree with what you say with Constitutional. I- I'm adamant that on the day I'll be able to get three to one Possibly seven to two about him because I feel like everyone is against him, and I just feel like he'll just be laid and laid, laid and laid. And I, I'm willing to be sweeping up that seven to two on on the Tuesday, Chelten.
0: I mean, if if any of them is a backable price, surely it's John Bon.
1: It, Scumbaggy each way, possibly. I'd, I'd you know say what? if you force me now, I'd back Marty Potter each way at a double-figure price. That'll be that'll be the way I play it.
0: Yeah, I, especially I, I based like on Marty one of the top three was. coming out. I do like him. He's 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 such a prospect, isn't he? You can you can tell everything. I mean, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But, <laughs> ev- ev- but every anyway. he does this season is gonna be a is gonna be a bonus. He's still very very raw, <laughs> and the fact that he's achieved what he's achieved probably shaped like the best horse in the in the Royal Bond before he went and won the the Christmas Grade one. You know,
1: in an average renewal, he's
2: five to one. And connections might even have Pied Piper in this race. Who do how do we know? Well
1: they won't be Vorban, so you might as well go elsewhere, I guess.
0: Ooh. <laughs> but that's for
1: day four, which I'm not on, so I can I'll leave my comments there. <laughs> uh,
0: we'll just talk about the other briefly touch on the other two Mullins horses that we've not mentioned. Obviously, State Man likely to go for a handicap. Uh but Kilcrut, last season's champion bumper runner up, got off the mark over hurdles. At the third attempt And also El Fabiola Who bolted up Brown Tremor On New Year's Day Any thoughts On the pair Then Dan
1: uh, Okay of course Another fascinating one Because again You go back to Obviously perform And absolute top class Very bumpy start To life over hurdles And then A, <laughs> a galloping success Last time out In a fairly weak racer Again he went off One to five And did it from the front And again that's The, the interesting to, thing To this race is that Pretty much all the pace angles Are Mullins horses So it really does muddy the waters into how the race will unfold because there's no way, one, that all three of them at the head of the market are going to run. And two, he's going to let them take each other on. Should they do that, it's just not going to happen. So that is probably the main thing I take away from the other Mullins runners is the tactical element. And I just don't really know how it's going to unfold. El Fabiola is fascinating. It's hard to really be strong on him for coming off one race in a fairly weak affair. He's really highly regarded, but this probably is a step too far at this stage of his career.
0: I think he's a better bet than Kilcrook. Kilcroft's oh, oh, very is, short now. Is, is the most
2: ridiculous price. My brother's dad's dog picked stones on Willie Mullins' gallops and says that he's working <laughs> like a genius. Get lost. Uh, Kilcroft's going to get lapped here.
1: <laughs> Could you have a stronger opinion, please? That was quite on the fence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that won't come back to back James on the ass. Just click that. It won't be be as bad as
2: me saying good risk at all is a terrible bet and he's got no chance uh, as he absolutely sluiced up in that handicap last time.
0: (laughs) Easy work, Jim, easy work. So, therefore, listeners,
1: back kill crut is what you're hearing there.
0: (laughs) Constitution Hill for the pair of you lads. It's for me. Uh, I'll probably back dice at Dynamo and John Jumbo.
1: I think, literally, you, when you went through those runners, I think you said a, so all five really liked them to every single one. It was quite interesting. <laughs> so, you're going to have one interesting book coming into, <laughs> into the surprise. It's
2: guaranteed that
1: Lewis will win the first
2: race because he will have backed every runner in the race.
1: And if he doesn't, he needs to retire from racing and betting.
0: He'll call it, <laughs>
2: Killcrook wins. I'm off. I'm not doing any more days. That's me done. Good night. God bless.
0: No, I do. How how can you not like what they've done so far? You know, they've if 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 you're a racing fan and you don't you don't like the top four in the in the betting for this supreme, you know, go go and play squash. You know, <laughs> why why What's why are you here if you why are you here if you're not? You've uh, just done a bit of a Ted Walsh there. Excited with them.
1: Yeah, I, I don't Peppa know.
0: Pepper pig squash, same thing. I don't <laughs> care. Arkle. Uh Edward Stone, nine to four. To beat Blue Lord at seven to two. Four's Riviera de eight's auton colour, ten St Sam, fourteen's third time lucky, eighteen's Magic Days, twenty to one bar then. This to me is simple. Edward Stone will win.
2: This is one race that you've got a strong opinion about. You fire away with him, Lewis.
0: Well, just better than him, isn't it? His, I, I, I find the Irish form lines here potentially weaker than the British, which is a rare one. But I, look, I, I like Blue Lord. I, I just... And if if there was one I'd be scared of, it would be him rather than the mayor of the air to tell, even though she probably should have beaten him last time. I, I I I just think Edward Stone is is quite good. Maybe not the most outstanding article winner will ever be, but, you know, the fact that... I know Moines has said he'd be disappointed if he can't get grade ones out of all Uncle R and St. Sam, but it's his B team, isn't it? It's his B team. Riviere Tel was, what, midfield in a Fred Winter last season. (sighs) Wasn't, you know, probably should have beaten Blue Lord last time, as we said, but she's beaten not much of substance over fences so far. You know, St. Sam, again, beaten in a Fred Winter last season. Horse I've got so much time for. But, (sighs) I f- I think would have been a a largely fancifulish grade one prospect at the back end of last season. To be fair, as would Edwards But he was a good solid hurdler, probably slightly underrated because he was running in handicaps rather than, you know, crap little grade twos. He he probably didn't quite get the credit he deserved, but it's a really really decent record he built up last season. Placed in the a uh, big handicap at aintree, placing the bet fifth in the county, which is practically being placed, won a <coughs> a quite decent race off a heavyweight at market raising, where it beat Roland Ward who went on and won at Aintree. You know, fifth in a great wood. That's really good solid handicap form. Ended it ended it rated, you know, just below one fifty. In in a series of races that it's generally quite hard to go through without at least, you know, blipping in once. People saying he was down the field in a Supreme and that Blue Lord would have finished second in it. Sixth in that Supreme would have been as good as finishing runner up behind Appreciate It. Blue Lord would have finished above, ahead of For Pleasure. You know what I mean? The five horses who finished ahead of Edward Stone in his Supreme was Shishkin Abacadabras, Chantry House. I know, we, you know, I know I don't. Race. <laughs> clearly got clearly got some ability. Asterium for lunch, all that. Heaven help us was seventh. You know To me, that's at least as good a run as what Blue Lord would have produced last season. Blue Lord flops at punches town the back end of that he's not really had much to beat over fences so far. I mean twenty length brain of lifetime ambition with a race where they didn't really jump anything i think I, I'm, I'm i'm quite confident you know if if third time lucky hadn't met edward stone would he be second far probably given the impression he created the first two starts this season and then he won at Donny as well you know so you're looking at that you've got a horse who was the the hype job for the race at the start of the season available to back at fourteen to one, he's won every time over fences he's not met Edward Stone. You know, for me the standout performance was the Wayward lad, you know, as good as he was in the Henry the Eighth, obviously a grade one. But the Wayward Lad when in the runner up do your job who isn't who isn't a mug kind of cruised cruised up towards Edward Stone's shoulder and for a minute, just after they turned for home you might have thought to yourself, right, he's got a race on here. And he settled it within five strides. This is a good chaser, mate. Um I'm, I'm quite confident on that. And <laughs> he's just a very, very professional blue lord Up, you know, messy ish at points last time, hung. Uh I think he was the best the best hurdler in this race, and I think he's the best chaser.
2: Mm-hmm. Fair fair point. Yeah, it was interesting you were talking about the way like certain horses have been handicapped this race has shown the progression that there's a good handful of these that have made a serious amount of improvement for 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 fences and edward stone is certainly one of them um my only slight worry with Edwardstone is the yard form and i know they had a winner uh, we recorded on the sunday i know they had a winner this afternoon but these horses just haven't been finishing their races as well and that will be a little bit of a worry for me um do, do, I think 94 is a fair price about him. I, I, I like Edward Stone as well, but he's it's, it's probably not where I'll be going in the end. Um, however, <laughs> I, I, I think he's got the best form in the race over fences. He's shown that significant improvement. Um, and I, I, I can understand why he's, he's favourite. The horse that I'm edging towards is St. Sam. Now, last time out in, in the Irish Arkle, he was set a furious tempo in front by Rachel Blackmore. She tried to get him in a rhythm very similar to what he did last time uh, when going on to beat the Devil's Coachman in that beginner's chase. And he jumped perfectly effortlessly um, and got in a lovely rhythm out in front. He tried to do the same last time and he just never really got in a rhythm. He made a mistake at the second. um, With two to go, he fiddled it a little bit. uh, And he ran on stronger than I was expecting because... I thought the sectionals she'd set were fairly fast and I thought if he's going to have to keep up with this, then it will be a decent horse. And I think given a little bit more breathing room and probably just settled probably something giving him a lead uh, I think it would suit him a lot more. We saw him held up in last year's Boodles, uh, set a furious tempo normally in that race and he's cruised through the race and sliced through. And this season it's been the complete opposite. It's been point and shoot and Catch me if you can. And I, and I think going into this race, whoever will be riding him, of course, Willie Mullins has the, a, a, a trio, a quartet. Or could could even be five runners in this race. Um, whoever's riding him, it'd be interesting to see the riding tactics. And I'd like to see him slightly held up a little bit more uh, and, and possibly see, keep him fairly out wide to make him see his fences. But uh, at seven to one, I think he's a little bit more value in comparison to the others. I thought his run last time was very, very good, and I, 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 I certainly don't think he'll be out the first three in this.
0: Fair enough, mate. I can see that, and I, I am a big fan of the horse in general, as well, mate. There'll be good races one with him. Still only a five-year-old. Dan, what are you leaning for the Arkle, pal?
1: Despite all the abuse he got uh, from you, from you, I, I do like Blue Lord here. I think seventy-two is probably quite generous when you're looking at a uh, Willie Mullins-trained novice who farms this race on a regular basis, not with tip-toppers either. Let me remind you of Duke Geneva, who somehow managed to win this race. So you don't Ooh. need to be ex- exactly I- ex- exactly my point. Um, oh, that was don't... the
0: most disgraceful article in history, though, wasn't it? Well, Did someone yeah, fall
2: it's... early on, though, like, on seat or like unseat or That was it.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like he would have. <laughs> I think that proves the point. If you put hanging you out and Kalashnikov falling as it being a bad arc or I me, mean, it was a bad arc all round. But bad arcles happen. I think this is a, a one of those again. Realistically, without Fernie Hollow, I don't think you need to be an absolute standout to win this. And in Blue Log, we're looking at a novice who's three from three, won a Grade One, trained by the master. I just think seventy-two is a very generous price. And I think you've got, you got he got unduly hammered for winning. At the Dublin Racing Festival in the Irish Arkle. I think it's important to consider that Riviera de Tell is a very upwardly progressive mare who's rated 150 in Ireland. He was getting nine pounds from her. She'd already been, had plenty of experience over fences. She obviously had that battle with Fernie Hollow. I know she was giving him, well, thir- she was getting 13 pounds that day as opposed to nine here. Um, so on weight and measures, Blue Law doesn't c- quite stack up to Fernie Hollow, but she had already had plenty of experience coming into that race, whereas Blue Lord only had two starts of offences, one of which came in a free runner race where half the fences were doled off. Now, there's no way that would have been beneficial to him coming into this race, which was extremely well run. It was a really strong pace on, and it was a very different set of circumstances to what he'd been racing in previously. And for all that he wasn't impressive in the distance and perhaps the style to some, I thought he proved himself that he was able to come off a strong pace I like the way he quickened after the last, despite Riviera de Tell making a mistake. He did pull like two or three limbs clear, and the Irish Arkle was run over about a furlong further than the uh, the Arkle at Cheltenham. So I think that might be important to him. And the way this race might set up, it normally pays to be prominent in an Arkle, but you've got the likes of Riviera de Tell, who will go forward. Saint Sam, I think, has been proven very effective when going from the front. Magic Days will go here. She's very keen. For pleasure. I mean, if he runs here, God help Basel, because he is very headstrong and... Remember in the Supreme last year, he just bolts off. So we could have a real bust up out front. And Blue Law could be in the style of like a footpad, where perhaps he's not going to go on and be a champion chaser. In fact, I, I would highly doubt he will be. But I think the circumstance of this race might set up quite well for him. And he has far more scope for improvement, I think, than Riviera de, Te- de Tel does based on their last encounter, considering he had probably less experience going to that race over fences. And there's a two pound swing at the weights as well. So for me, I think he's beaten the, the benchmark in the division in Riviera de Tell, and he's going to be far more prepared for this kind of test. And to me, at 7-2, to two, I think that is a, a very fair price.
0: Do you know what, mate? I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I like Blue Lord as a horse. My kind of way, I see it, and I, I get that. In terms of probably raw ability, Blue Lord probably is the one that possesses the most.
1: I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I mean, he's um, no, I, me I, he's not he's not going to be the the best horse in Willie Mullins' yard, but I, I think he was always quite regarded in his novice season. Obviously, he had a, a few monsters ahead of him. He was beaten by Bob Ollinger, he was beat by Appreciate It, and he, he was not of like the Fernie Hollow class either. But he was he was not far away. And I think they always thought there was a bit more to come, and it was never quite the finished article last season. But he's kind of getting into his groove, I think, over fences and kind of being the horse that they thought he might be. And in a weak enough race, I think this is kind of it, it could sell quite nicely for him. Is the way I see it, anyway.
0: No, I I understand that. I'm I'm just not as sure he might be as as ready as you. I, I was kind of thinking to myself, could I? You know, say if you were to throw him against more senior, senior horses, you kind of like the Grenatines of the world. I could definitely see Edward Stone beating Grenatine. whereas I'm just not sure whether Blue Lord had quite been ready for that sort of test yet. And when there's a horse who is as good as Edward Stone, who and does nothing wrong like Edward Stone does, he has there's not been a flaw in his game. Yet over fences, he will he will achieve as much as his ability allows him to. Whereas I, I kind of think Blue Blue Lord has the potential to surpass him, but whether it will happen next week is what I'm not I'm not sure about yet. It's a cracking cracking race. Uh, Jim, any thoughts on the mare Riviera Tell? Mm,
2: she's, she's done a fair amount of improvement. This is the worst swing at the weight she's gonna get, um, in comparison that she's had throughout the season. She's had some cracky investing with Fernie Hollow and, uh, with Blue Lord last time. She jumped the last last time. She'd have won. But she didn't. Uh, the weights have changed this time. And I, I think this is more of a, more of a task. Um, she's not for me in this and, and
1: possibly a little bit too short, short a price for me. An a big question, Mark, isn't he, really? it's uh, He seems like he's coming here. Uh, I wondered if they may be inclined to step him up. but The the, the turnus is, is proving to be a very hot affair with the front two in the market, it would seem. So perhaps for the best, he doesn't in an open arc. Well, yeah, he, obviously, he was ashamed to see him fall last time, because uh, I think he was one, probably the real disappointment from that race, because we just kind of wanted to see how he fit in. He's always been... Quite well thought, obviously. They threw him into the triumph on his first start uh, for the yard. And he, he, he ran an absolute storming race that day. And the last year's juveniles look very strong, I think, as you can see here. I mean, we've got St. Sam, Claw and Riviera Tell He wouldn't normally have five-year-olds occupy three of the top five spots in the market for an ARCOR. It just doesn't normally happen. Um, it's just hard to be too sure, based on last time out, coming here on the back of one completed start over fences. So, and and he's, he's short enough, really, in the market as well for all those factors.
0: Fair enough, mate. Yeah, I understand that. You, you are kind of just guessing with Autunke Law, but it's a quite strong Edward Stone for me. And the are Blue Lord for Dan and St. Sam for James as we'll move on to the 250, the ultimate handicap chase. And they currently bet 8-1 to one death duty, 9-1 to one does he know, 10s Flewer and frontal assault, who's likely a bound for the Kim Muir twelves Imperial Alcazar Noble Yates and Fantasticus. Then you can get fourteens about Fortescue, the Shunter, Grand Parody, and sixteen to one bar them, including Frodon. Lost in translation is twenty to one. Uh, I have had one anti-post bet in a handicap. I placed it in January and I backed Fantasticus at thirty-three to one to win the ultimate. Good man,
1: good man. I am,
0: I am not going to sway from that. It's probably my best bet of the festival in terms of prices I've backed them at into what they are now. I I really like this horse and I think he's if I were to have a handicapped nap of the meeting, it's this lad.
1: Well, thank God for that. Sense is prevailing. The fantastic as bandwagon rolls on. Yeah, absolutely the same. Backed him at thirty threes in January after he's running the Dipper. Love him. Absolutely love his profile for this race. And one thing, actually, before I get onto Fantastic, I want to mention, there's far too much chat about Death Duty being the best handicapped horse of all the horses. The only reason Gordon said that is because he got, like, one pound off compared to his other horses. That doesn't mean he's the best handicapped horse in this race. He's an 11-year-old who just won last time out, coming into an ultimate, and he's, like, five to one for it. That is bonkers. It's just completely wrong. I'm I'm just so tired of the chat about Death Duty being this well handicapped machine. It's not true. Let's end that narrative now. It's just not the case. It, it, I'm just sick of it all. Fantasticas on the other hand, off the same mark of one four four. Now that's the horse you want on side for this race. A progressive novice won a handicap chase on debut and did it well. The form of that was frank by the second, albeit in the lower grade contest. But Fantasticas was much the best. That third in the Dipper is. Very strong form, in my opinion. I, Lompress is the best novice chaser in Britain. The Glancing Queen was second. I think she would have a cracking chance in the plate if she went there off one for one as well. And that was an in- inadequate trip for Fantastic Ass as well. Like, two and a half is not his bag. He wants three miles or more. But he ran a very good race in defeat, just looking a bit one-paced. Win- won at Lingfield next time out. That was more comfortable than the winning margin suggested there. He hard <laughs> front. I mean, he, I mean, Sam himself, I think in the interview you said afterwards, he was just... He feared the wrath of God if he somehow got that horse beat under that circumstance because he was just, he should have been very comfortable there. But with that behind him, you can talk in a progressive novice who races handily, which is keying an ultima. He jumps well. He has a fantastic profile for this race off a workable mark. Nigel Twiston-Davies in Chottenham handicaps. A match made in heaven. Yeah, he'd be a very, very strong bet for me in this race.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't really Add much more to what Dan's already said. Just looked last season like a progressive novice hurdler who was going to be better when he got a trip in a fence and a handicapped chase. Surprised he didn't go off Fav at Lingfield on his chasing debut, a race a race in which he won. But to me, he was not far off the best hurdler of them and the one who looked likeliest to uh, improve for a fence. Won that. Say, good efforts in graded company, including, as Don said, a strong renewal of a dipper. Uh, <laughs> was half worried that he might go and bolt up at Lingfield and blow his mark for this. Got home by a short head. Happy days. Uh, his mark is clearly very workable still. Thrown into a big handicap. It's just a sort of profile that that screams. Screams. Ultima horse to me. Uh yeah. He's he's a horse I like most in a handicap of the entire meeting. Uh I'd be so shocked if he wasn't at least in the frame. it will be seeing Gen- figures
1: on the day if he runs it, won't it. It's a na- it's just a fact. He's got that profile you look for. he's already shortening. I'm just looking at the market now. He's slowly but surely coming down. 11s is generally the best price now, 12s in a couple of places. But I mean a couple of the head of them in the market as well won't run either. So it will be single figures on the day. I still think 12-11-1 is a very fair price.
0: Yeah, I may have to back him again. Uh, <laughs> Jim, uh, are you got to make a case for lost?
2: Well, have you all just, sorry, have you all just finished jumping out of Nigel twiston Davis's duffel coat pockets? Christ. <laughs> um, I might go back in later. I, I, just a little, <laughs> a little um, thing about Fantastic Gas. I'm, I'm not sure he's the most genuine horse at all, if I'm being honest. And I, I think last time, although Sam Twist and Davis, what Dan has said already, but I think he was at his very best, Sam, to get him, to get his head on the line. I think there's a couple of races that I've seen him run before, and I've sometimes, I, I thought it was greenness at the time, and I know this is going back to his hurdle days, the race against 300 through 5, I thought he had every opportunity to try and get him beat, and obviously he's turned out to be a nice horse. Um, there was, the handicap hurdle at market Raisin, I, I remember watching it and just thought it was a little bit ungenuine every now and again. Um, and I know it was quite gritty for him to get home in the end, but I just had a little thought when he was running at Lingfield last time. Did he really want to put everything in? And and Sam Twist and davis had to lift him over the line nearly. Um, and that would be a little bit worry for me in a, in a big field handicap like this. Uh, this is the most runners he will ever run against. Um, and I, I'm, I like Fantasticast, but I I think there's just a little question mark there with him. Uh, and obviously, 33 is great value; can't complain. Um, but he's he's uh, that price now puts me off, and uh, I'm not as confident, probably, as you two are. Um of course, we'll move on to a proper racehorse now. Uh, in <sighs> Lost in Translation, who steps into a handicap for the first time. Um, the ground was dreadful last time at Ascot and quite clearly he was never going to sue. Um, but they, they ran him and that's what they did. And he, he pulled up his fifth at, at Kempton on Boxing Day uh, was the first time he completed in the King George. And um, Kempton just doesn't sue him, couldn't get, in the, couldn't get in the rhythm. His breathing pattern was all over the shop, turning constantly. Uh, It just wasn't for him. Back to winning ways, first time out this season, which was good to see. Uh, Dropping into a handicap here. um, First time we've seen it. Mark a 155. I think he's he's very generous. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in it. Um, I'd ideally like Frodo on to run so he can uh, be carrying Levenstone three round. Uh, But he ideally probably needs soft ground. And where the complete opposite loss needs, needs good ground. Uh, which is quite dependent on him nowadays. And at 20 to 1, I, 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 don't think it's a ridiculous price. And hopefully he'll show a lot more than what he has last time out. Uh, the, the, the horse that I'm, I'm worried about in this, uh, is, does he know? I, I, I think he's shown a lot of progression so far. He's a horse I've slagged off a lot and I know, um, that, the Reynolds Town winners are always dreadful, and that race was dreadful. But I really like what he did. He was really professional, and uh, what he's done so far. And the other horse is a Gordon Elliott-trained one. That's not Death Duty. It was a horse that was in behind last time with Flyer, uh, Nadine Coyle's favourite horse, and it she jumps like a bag of hammers. Yeah, it jumps like a bag of hammers. But I, I have a feeling that. There's a little bit more progression to come from him, in it, especially in the jumping department. The market certainly noticed it because he's nine to one, as short as nine to one in some places. Um, but I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in this, pitching another big field handicap like this. That iconic uh, Jerry Hannon quote to go with a lot of them. I, I don't think that beginners chase was was awfully that bad, and I, I think the handicap has been fairly fair fair with that. Um, and, it's, well, of course I'm going to be heavily biased, but I, I'd love to see Lost bring back winning ways in this. Um, and I'd, there'd be nothing more satisfying than Lost beating Fantastikas in a finish.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, Lost, He seems to have a lot of caveats these days, good old Lost in Translation. Doesn't like this track, doesn't like this ground, doesn't like that track. No, can't be too tight a track, can't have too many turns. Listen, like, now. how many excuses do we need? Like, come on, let's just say, look, he had a good run, was a very good horse in his day, and now he's just not the horse he was. Let's just let it go; it's fine. We, I, they all have their day. We've had fun with him, but come I, on, let's just let's let's be real. I can't wait to clip that when you. I sat at Cheltenham. I'm gonna
2: find you. Are you. I'm sure, are you gonna be there on the, on I'm Tuesday, Cheltenham? I will find you. I All four, four going days. I'm gonna do my, my I'm gonna do my Liam Neeson impression and find you and kill you when lost. Oh, good. When, when, well, maybe not kill. That's, no. That, that seems
1: a bit extreme considering probably you've just already buy you got killed. i a pipe,
2: probably, to be brutally honest. Um, but, but, um... The <laughs> like hitman ever. I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I don't, some them, not for me, that. But, um... And, and I respect that you've you've got nice anti-puff dockets on on fantasticas, but he's going to get beat by a lost.
0: But you'd rather us both dead. <laughs> you. Uh, no, you know what? When 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 you decided to be briefly sensible, uh, you did mention the two other horses I would have on my shortlist. Does he know? You know, from a from a yard who ran a similar type in this last season in Happy Go okay who went close. And probably I think one of one graded races this season had he not got injured, uh, I I thought it was quite a good effort in the Reynolds Town. If I'm honest, even though it was a like I say distances etc. Vastly over exaggerated because it was such an attritional nasty contest, but there's clearly, you know, progression to come from him from a mark of one five two. I, I like the horse, ground versatile, tactically versatile, uh, sort of horse who should go well here. And I I, I like Fuer as well. He was my Kim Muir horse, he's rated one four four in Ireland, they've handicapped him out of it and given him one four six in Britain, which means he has to run in the Ultima, which is thoroughly, thoroughly disappointing. Uh but he looks like the sort of horse <laughs> a novice that should be competitive in big handicaps, ran well enough on his first going one in the Punchestown National Trial behind Death Duty. I can see this race suiting him. Uh, I can't have Death Duty. I know he's got a pound off on his Irish mark. And to be fair, he's been running well enough this season, having won the Punchestown National Trial last time. But he was never particularly involved in the Fire season, even though he finished seventh. And again, was wasn't particularly ever he didn't ever look a likely winner of the paddy power despite finishing fifth on that day and the punchestown national trial i love staying handicaps but some of the irish ones are awful because you get you know <laughs> horses who'd be running in sussex nationals in britain turn up in these races uh they can often be very winnable even though this was a a decent ish renewal of what is he's, he's Finished ahead of good horses, but I'm not sure whether it was a, a particularly strong piece of form. Like I say, how much more improvement is it to come from an 11-year-old who won his last race on heavy ground over three and a half miles? Uh, wouldn't be going near him. Uh, the rest of it's academic. Fantastic. as a win.
2: <laughs> well, we will we will see. Only time will tell. Just about the
1: reverse forecast and we'll all be happy.
0: Exactly. Ha! What? Well, ha! Why, why, why ruin a winning bet <laughs> uh, you bitter bitter man we'll move on to the free uh, it's the most important race of the card the most important hurdle race of the season it is the champion hurdle it may well be the race we spend the least amount of time discussing honeysuckle the 74 on to be appreciate it, who's 9 to 2, to hoop, who's 9s, epiton 10s, here 16s, 20s, Adagio, 25s, Tommy's Oscar, 33, St. 40s, Qualixios, 50s, Glory and Fortune, and Not So Sleeper, and 100 to 1, the other three, who are Mon Miral, my mate, Mozzie, and Tritonic. It's a... Uh... Look, it should be a formality for Honey Honeysuckle. I guess the possible fly in the ointment is appreciate it, Unraced this season. Brilliant winner of the Supreme last year. A horse who really still could have the sky as his limit. To Hoop has been grand this season. Epiton looks on the way back. But really, Dan, I, I don't see you getting beat.
1: No, there's no need to overcomplicate it either, really. I mean, if you've got a valid reason for opposing honeysuckle, then good luck to you and go for it. But, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to waste anyone's time going over the, the formalities, really. I think she's just a, a peerless mare, really. I, I couldn't quite believe the amount of sticks she got for last time, despite putting that race to bed on the turn in about 150, 200 yards, like quickened up. I mean, Don McLean said it was about 25 strides done. Like, it was over, Like and the race was finished. So can't blame her for idling and doing what she does at the last. She fiddled it a bit, but it was all about safety first there. On the honor day, like a horse is going to have to perform here to about a mid one seventies mark to trouble her her best, and I don't think there's necessarily much in here that can get close to that. So she just wins, and there's no real need to overcomplicate it.
0: Agreed, mate. Uh, Look, I I love appreciate it. I thought it was brilliant last season. I can't really back him up against her though, and I, I have had another bet in the race. I bet Zana here without Honey at sevens. Just at the just I kind of got got the impression that look the, the British form is awful. Uh, I think Zana here has achieved more this season than Epitone. Uh This was before the Hoopoo went and won at Goran, and that 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 was a fair performance from him. He's he's very much unexposed <laughs> yet to meet a rival of, of proper calibre yet, though. I think it would be fair to say Kulixios has had a complete write off of the season. Uh, I find it easy to see Xana here chasing Honeysuckle home again. He isn't as good as Appreciate It, but I I think Xana here is much likelier to run his race given Appreciate It. We don't know much about, well, we know nothing about his current well being, and he clearly has had a problematic prep. Uh, He's a solid horse, he's improved from 4 to 5. You know placed in grade ones the last the last three occasions two of them behind charger one behind honeysuckle uh i think he'd probably be the best the best hurdler in britain if if he were over here so he was my without honeysuckle bet he might end up being a bit beer because who's gone and put in a decent performance uh since then the sevens i got him at uh, but that that would be my each way swing or without honeysuckle bet but I, I think if you... I think you are... A lot has to be supposed if you're going to take her on with Appreciate It and even more so with te-hupu. Uh Jim, do you remember when we backed her at 40s for this race? And which which,
2: which absolute idiot tipped that up. And that, one <laughs> of the first podcasts we did, I said, Honey's could win the champion hurdle. And she went around the mares and beat Benny the Jure. And I just sat at that 40 to 1 thinking... Where did it all go wrong? And then, now look at her. She's she's looking to win this race back-to-back. One to two. She's obviously a, a superior mare. Uh, and she's going to take all the beating. I, I have backed Appreciate It at 17 to two. If, just because I knew that everyone would be getting excited at all these preview nights. And Patrick Mullins was saying, Appreciate it, It's going well at home. Um, and... I knew that the price would plummet. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy in a win-win situation. If Honeysuckle wins, I'll be happy uh, because she's just a superstar. And if Appreciate wins, which is going to be one hell of a task, uh, financially I'll be happy as well. Um, Tehupu, the ground would be a worry for me with Tehupu. The, the best of his form has been on heavy ground. Um, and it's not normally that, that heavy on the first day of Cheltenham. Of course, he'll need an absolute storm to, for it to turn that way. Uh, a, a very unexposed horse who who's come from strength to strength now, um, and I think he might be found out a little bit here. Episode was very good last time. Adagio was was worried out by a, a fruitcake last time, uh, and Zanna here. Lewis Lewis has always been banging the drum on him and and, and how cons- consistent he is. Um I'd love Tommy's Oscar to run a nice race for the Hamiltons, who wouldn't? Um but let's all just appreciate, <laughs> if you pardon the pun, honeysuckle.
1: <laughs> just a note on Tia Hooper there, I know you mentioned about the heavy ground, I, I thought that too, but I thought it was very interesting, both Robbie Power and Gordon Elliott after that race said she hate, like he absolutely hated that heavy ground that day in the Red Mills and he would actually much prefer a sounder surface. Again, I know you look through his form and you see like, Wind's on heavy, soft, barely any good to soft at all, but supposedly they're not worried about that being an issue, um, so, which I think is uh, interesting. And on Zana here, I, I'm honestly quite surprised they haven't just skipped this and gone straight to the entry hurdle, where well, I think if they went there fresh, he'd have a great chance. But I think it, this would be his fifth start. If they go to entry, he might have just left his race behind there, because I think he'd have a cracking chance at an entry hurdle. But this, yeah, he'd probably he's playing for second, isn't he, really?
0: Yeah, that that that's that's a fair enough comment to be fair. I mean, I, I do I do think he's actually the one in the race that would be overpriced to say if he's available at sixteen. Uh, to be fair, I think he's got a very a very fair chance, as I said, of uh, running running honeysuckle running behind honeysuckle once again. Oh, to be fair to that, to be fair, I mean, I know Abicarabus came down last year, but he won the entry hurdle on his sixth start for the for the same yard. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah true. As we'll yeah, As we'll say. uh, Maybe, we'll see, but yeah, Honeysuckle wins watching her enjoy. her. Yeah. Very onto, much so. On to the close brothers Mares look at four ten. They currently bet tell me something girl at seven to two, Royal Gahala at sixes, thirteen to two Stormy Island, eight Burning Victory, tens Eccles and Rain Queensbrook, twelves Mrs Milner. Fourteenths concertista who's gone chasing heaven helpers marie's rock and martello sky 20 to 1 bar them i'll come to you first here dan because i struggle to get excited about this
1: this is a very trappy race this but like, it's incredible really how tight so many of these are in the market together and it's going to be one of those where uh, it, it's going to divide opinion on because i think you can make fairly decent cases for five, six, or seven of these. But I, I've got a bit of bias for Tell Me Something Girl because I, I did back her for this after her first run of the season where she's beat about 10 lengths, but she was giving eight or nine pounds away to most of the field. She drifted to a double-figure price for this race, but it was pretty much written from the start of the season that there's only one target in mind for Tell Me Something Girl, and that's the Mayor's Hurdle, given her emphatic performance in the Mayor's Novice last year, which I know isn't necessarily always stand out form and doesn't necessarily stand the test of time, but... I think we're yet to really put that to the test this year with Tell Me Something Girl. Her last run was a, a probably surprising for connections by all accounts. I didn't expect, actually expect her to run that well. Obviously, I think Royal Carle has, has, has franked that form as well. And I can see this race, for all that I'd probably prefer it to be on the new course for her, given her finishing effort I think she can produce, I think the, the likely pace setters of heaven help her, Stormy Island and Burning Victory, are all going to kind of help make it a situation where she can come and come in late. Uh, which he normally likes to do. I I think she's got an outstanding chance. Queensbrook as well is one I I thoroughly respect. They've always thought she's a very, very good mare. If you go back to some of her form in bumpers behind the likes of, I think it was third in the champion, but wasn't she behind thirdly hollow and appreciate it? I think she was that run in the Corvega hurdle behind Burning Victory. I'd much rather take Queensbrook out of that race than Burning Victory, who got a very easy timeout in front and was clearly more ready for that race than, than Queensbrook was. So if she'd be a fair each-way punt in this as well. Yeah, I wouldn't have a massively strong betting opinion on this race at the prices, but I do think Tommy Something Girl might be the most likely
0: winner. You know what, Dan? I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. I thought, well, she did. She was the best horse at the weights uh, over Christmas when beaten by Royal Kahala. <laughs> the the Mare's novice Hurdle last season <laughs> looks a decent race now which I wouldn't have thought going into it, but Magic Days, who's a fringe, Arkle candidate was second. Sky Ace, all right, mid-130s horse, but she she went and won another grade one in, this, in the Mayor's yeah. Novice division. The Glancing Queen is definitely a good horse. Glens of Antrims, you know, won this season. I think she's a second-season novice this year. Uh, but again, clearly no more what Low, low-130s rated horse. Martello Sky and Rolka Kahala down the field Roel Kahala didn't give her a run in Martellos guys improved since. But, you know, she's beaten a lot of the ones that are likely to cause her a threat here. Uh, having all the while this year shaped like she isn't quite ready yet. I think she's a right fav and she's the one they've got to beat and she might represent a touch of value at 7-2. to two. Roel Kahala. Looked very very progressive. Bombed out at Cheltenham last season. Career best last time over three miles. Whether that might be her trip, although it look, it's just possible she's taken another step forward from beating Tell Me Something Girl to winning the Galmoy. Uh I'd I'd expect Tell Me Something Girl to have improved for that run more than Rolke Kahala has. Stormy Island won the Relke last time. Probably in fortunate enough fashion uh, when Brewing Up a Storm came down. Being there, done that. Can't believe she's only still eight. Look, she, she, know, she probably wouldn't need to do much more to make the first three. You know, burning victory again, winner again last time out. Echoes in Rains had an absolute washout of her season. Queensbrook. I find it hard to be mega enthusiastic about her, you know, like say beaten by Bernie Victory at Punchers Town last time, looked to me like a stayer that day. And I'm I, I kind of half worry she might be done by quicker horses here. Mrs. Milner is a stayer. Uh you know, and I, again I'm not, not particularly convinced she's a graded level horse. Well, graded level in May's races, very probably. I'm not sure this would be the race for her if I'm honest and those kind of further down are handicappers. I like Molly, all these wishes. Uh, back down in trick if I could have put one up at a bigger price it'd be hers at twenties each way. But uh, uh it's it's one of them where kind of the more I think about it, the more I think tell me something the girls are bet. Jim, tell me I'm wrong. I think
2: tell me something, girls, are a horrendous priced favourite. Um, <laughs> well, you, are, you asked him
1: to prove you wrong, didn't uh, you? Uh, and when,
2: more, more, more than likely, done every time he makes a strong case, I decide to try and hammer it down. Um,
1: Love it. I've I I thought... like friendship. Eh? Who needs friends <laughs> when you got? Who needs enemies when you got friends like these? <laughs> um,
2: I, I mean, impressive in the in the in the novice last year. Um, I know I she had to give all that weight away in that listed race at Punch's Town, but I, I didn't think she jumped very well that day. She finished behind Roca Harbor and heaven help us in that grade three. Again, I wasn't necessarily impressed with the jumping again then. Um, and I just think there's there's horses that have done more this season that should be a shorter price than that. And It's almost like we, we know that this is going to be a main target, but others have shown... Better form this season than her to to sort of show that there should be a shorter price than her so three to one to me I I'd, I'd, I'd happily be happy with double figures but probably eights or sevens is his whereabouts so
1: not for me at all tell me something girl Stormy eyes. Oof, that's big you'd, you'd happily layer then at this price <laughs> then I'm, um, I'm just going back into my little hole um, there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, if you want to lay
2: me sixes, uh, well, we'll, well talk. you you know how how my uh, layers to Lewis have, have probably gone in the last couple of weeks. It's I'm laying on rice and beans for the next few weeks. Um, oh, you can still get beans. <laughs> uh, Stormy Island won the uh, round kill last time. Lewis mentioned that Bruno Fasson was sitting waiting to go. I'm beginning to think Bruno Fasson's a little bit of a soft git. Um, he should have won. Last time I beat Botox has uh, in the the Fontwell Grade Two that names escaped me, um, and S- S- Stormy Island was finding more in front I think, and I don't think would have been if was beaten wouldn't been beaten that far. I thought that was a really good run uh, against uh, the opposite sex and and back into this division. I, I think she's a solid thirteen to two shot and I, I think she's slightly underestimated in the market I think people were expecting Bruno Stone to pass her last time and we've seen him do it a couple of times at Cheltenham uh, falling at the last and uh, and probably not putting it all in like he did last time um, so I, I don't think everything was set in stone and of course we'll never know but I think that she's drifted in the last couple of days from 11-2 to two to 13-2 to two, um, which adds more of interest to me uh, a mare that I've been a, a massive fan of for an awful, awful long time is Martello Sky. Um, she won that listed race last time out at Sandown. Uh, she'd won at Cheltenham in that handicap-beating Indefatigable, uh, who'd been ultra-consistent winning at Weatherby and is also in this race. Um, we saw her running the Mare's Novice at time Something Girl one last year. I think she's a lot better mare this year. She's improved with her racing. Uh, and Lucy Wadham's done a really good job with her. And I think, I think there's going to be a, a fair enough gallop on here. And stepping up in trip in comparison to last year's Mayor's Novice, um, I think I'll suit her and probably close the gap slightly on Tell Me Something Girl and could be a little bit overpriced at 14s. Um, and she's versatile ground wise. She jumps very well, barring that entry race where she nearly went off favourite when she was beat by Bruno up a storm. Um and I think that she's slightly overpriced at 14s in this. Um, but I, I don't fancy Tell Me Something Girl at all. Stormy Island and Martello Sky and my two
0: darts. Fair enough, mate. Tell Me Something Girl, though. For me and Dan. Moving on then to the Boodles Handicap Hurdle, registered as the Fred Winter. Uh, this race shouldn't be at the festival. Bring back the novice handicap, Please. 11 to 4, 5 Gaelic, warrior, a horse no one knows anything about, is just a rumour, has ran three times in France and is far for a Cheltenham Festival handicap. That's why we want to get rid. Uh The Tide turns is sixes, eights Phil nines nine's Brazil and champion green, 10's Icar Allen, twelve Saint Seagal, 14s Bar. Jim, I'll come to you first here. Uh, are you enthusiastic about anything at all?
2: Why have you come to me first? It, this is a race I have a horrendous record in. I never do well in it. And I've got absolutely no idea um, how good Gaelic Warrior is um, or, or, or most of the form and, who, and who's got the most in hand in the handicap. Brazil was eye-catching last time, I thought. Uh, he'd been eye-catching in a few races before, staying on strongly behind the tidy's turns. Uh, and Iker Allen, who also... Which are two that I'll face here um, But last time his jumping was a lot better uh, They made more use of him And, and ridden, ridden him more positively uh, Of course he was on the flat uh, For Aidan O'Brien And His jumping is, is slowly improved With each race uh, I think his mark's more than fair uh, And 9-1 to one, I think Offers a fair amount of value um, Iker Allen's another one I mentioned Of, of the JP Strong Trio who hasn't really done that much wrong other than uh, his fifth in, in stronger company, uh, which were all solid horses who would probably be competitive in the triumph. The Tidey's turns, I think, the tide turns will run in this. Um, but I, I think he's, his jump in last time was something that was, uh, was a positive, uh, which you need to do in this race. Um, and at bigger prices, there's not an awful lot I'm interested in. Um, it's not a race I entirely enjoy looking at or tipping anything, so please ignore anything of me and just hope that JP has the, the magic to be winning this.
0: Any more enthusiasm from you, Dan?
1: Oh, a note on Gaelic Warrior, because I think he, he's the horse this race revolves around for obvious reasons, and ever since his Mark of 129 came out when he was entered in that Cheltenham handicap, it's it's been the Gaelic Warrior show. And so I did a bit of research on this and I spoke to Adam, a, a GG banker on Twitter who, who knows his French racing far better than I would uh, by infinite amounts. Um, so it's not an exact science how British and French marks equate to one another. But roughly based on what his French mark is, his British mark should have been about 138, 138 or 139 to be pedantic. Uh, again, that's not an exact science because it depends on a few different factors. Uh, which isn't necessarily the same in Britain, but that's around the level we're talking. If you look at the form of his last start in France, he was beaten about six lengths by a couple of horses. Both now they're now rated 155 and 157 equatively in France. The fourth in that race has won a Grade One since. He's now rated 164, so for, he stands out like a sore thumb based on those on subsequent antics of those horses. And his lowly mark, 129. So on that, he's absolutely chucked in. And first time out, French winners are not uncommon in this race. We had Diego de Charmille, who did something similar. All the talk from the Connections has been that they were hoping for a mark of about 138. And if that was the case, they probably would have gone for this race anyway. If they gave him higher, which they were expecting based on the antics of those horses he was against last time, he would have been their supreme horse for next year. So if they're thinking along those lines, He's got to be very, very competitive in a race like this of 129. However, the price indicates that. And I will sleep soundly at night if Gaelic Warrior bolts up by 15 lengths, as the form in France suggests he he should and could well do. And I haven't had a penny on because I'm not interested in backing a horse like this at such a prohibitive price in a 22 runner handicap full of very upwardly mobile juveniles. It's just not on the on the radar for me. And I'm sure plenty will and good luck to him. But I, I couldn't get infused about it. And it's a shame because it does kind of take away from the, the betting element of this race. There is one in here which I've had my eye on for a, a while. He's it, a big old price. It's a course called Swinging London. Uh, and you might now see that his last race was at Fakenham and Laugh that I'm even suggesting he could go to a Cheltenham handicap and win. <laughs> so I did actually a bit of research on this. And since 2005, you actually would have made an SP profit backing horses at Cheltenham, whose last run came at Fakenham. And I'm not actually making that up. And since 2018, four of the nine horses to have come from Fakenham have hit the frame at Cheltenham. So Fakenham, therefore, is the best prep track for Cheltenham, confirmed. Um, he beat his, some older horses that day, he got off the mark in a maiden hurdle. That was his first start for Ollie Murphy, having been purchased from Elmarie Holden's yard. Now, he's two starts for her, very eye-catching indeed. He was behind Luna Power the first day, He'd beaten quite far, but looked a work in progress, and then he was a very narrow second behind Ibrick Desoy. You had Vera Vertro in there as well. Champion Green finished behind Sweden in London that day, and again you could tell he was given a patient ride, still kind of getting to grips with things before a decent finishing effort to finish a half length back in third. Obviously, since sold, I have I'm of the opinion that Fred Winter has been the plan since they purchased this horse. Obviously, they knew he only needed one start really to qualify him for a mark that would allow him to get into this race. He beat a nothing field last time out. by like horses on juveniles specifically that run against their elders. He's coming here off a mark 124. He might just squeeze in at the bottom. He's a very s- strong travelling horse. I think will be well suited to a race like this. And if I'm writing that this has been the plan all along, he might just be one that sneaks under the radar because he isn't the standout profile type for this and can run a decent race at a price. But yeah, I mean, en- enough of me ranting about this race, but uh he- he's one a- I've just had my eye on for a while. He beat a hundred and nine rated horse. Yes, it, it was not faking them. It was not faking them. No. look at the look at look at the races before. Look, and,
2: look. I, and and I do I do agree with you that the Cork race and the Punchestown race, I I I thought he was very eye-catching. I thought Denis O'Regan was was very tender. I think the yes. word will be used. Uh, and he often is. He he didn't go for everything as we'd say um and looked after the horse and, and I I do agree he has been in my um on my radar for a while swinging in London but last time out I, I mean I wanted him to absolutely bolt home and in, in sorry faking him a crap race. Um yes, it was and the, the, the form isn't anything inspiring behind and if he'd have done nothing less I'd have been disappointed. Um
1: You don't want to show his hand before though, do you?
2: Yeah, fair fair point. Um but I'm certainly interested in 25s, but I, I,
1: again, the 2 It'll
2: i It'll be bigger on the day,
1: I think, so I'm not yeah. going to rush to back him now.
2: I'd arguably say the two races before were, were probably
1: better. They were better, yeah. And Again, I, I think they knew they didn't have to come I mean, he already had the mark 124 before he ran at Fakenham, so they kind of knew where they stood, and I guess they were probably happy to take a chance and win a terrible race and just hope they could get in off that kind of mark, uh, is how I'm seeing it. I, I do think this has been a long-term plan. I think they brought a horse with a profile that they liked for this race and they had a way of getting him prepared, way of getting him qualified, and they've done it. So I think there's more in the tank than he showed at Fakenham. And if there isn't, I'd be bitterly disappointed.
0: Fair enough, lad. I like the case. I like the case. Look, like Dan said, Gaelic Warrior is no sort of betting price. I've watched his races in France. Look, he shapes very, very well. (coughs) He's won at Autoy in May, what, the runner-up who beat him again next time out when they won a grade three and then was placed in a grade two. The winner on Prennable was a listed winner last time out and then was also placed in a grade two. He was within a length of the pair of them. So the fact that he's winning off one, one, two, nine could be an absolute gift, but we can't be scared of a rumour, can we? If I listen to rumours, I wouldn't have a podcast with James Watson. So, <laughs> uh, I've 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 got to I've got to look away from him. The second half for me, the tide turns, uh, makes appeal. He was just the biggest eye catcher, arguably of the season, wasn't he? In that great fight at Gora, won by T. Hooper with the Red Mills trial, he just uh, loomed up so threateningly, and then like they said, Dennis O'Regan, oh yeah. going. <laughs> who no, Fred Winter. Fred Winter. Mm. Let's not win. Uh, yeah,
1: some some would call that eye catching. <laughs> yeah, almost too uh, eye catching.
0: Yeah, it was. And do you know what? I, I'm. I thought he'd be. He'd be. He'd be. A sh- Without Gaelic Warrior, he'd be Gaelic Warrior's price, wouldn't he? Because Phil Daw won't go here, and he'd be the obvious Irish. Looks on a looks on a handy mark horse, and Phil Daw won't turn up here. I'd I'd be shocked. So, therefore, you're you're kind of thinking, well, if you want to take on the horse, that, you know, the big hot pot, I think the Titans would probably have been a hot pot himself, if not for this, uh, sexier foreign hot pot.
2: Uh, (laughs) You sexy foreign hot pot. (laughs)
1: Oh, I bet you used that. That's what I say to them all, all, Jim.
0: That's what I say to them all.
1: How many restraining orders has that resulted in?
0: (laughs) Those rumours are about Jim, Dan.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry.
0: That's what we said. Uh, Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. uh, No, no, look, the tide turns, obviously. flat horse for Sir Mark Prescott. A typical Sir Mark Prescott flat horse that he improved when he went handicapping over a trip, having done absolutely nothing over trips that were never going to suit him as a two-year-old. He's a sea of the moon... You know, the fourth in the, in the, uh, spring juvenile is, is good form as well, and he's shaped well there. S- you know, stayed a mile six on the flat, so you'd expect if they, if they, if there's loads of patience, as you normally expect with a load of juveniles going at it and skirmishing early, should suit him. Uh, I think he's an obvious alternative to the Fav. I also, May back won at a price forty to one from the Phil Kirbyard Sky Cutter, another ex-flat horse, fourth in the November handicap on his final flat start. Very experienced on the flat, had twelve uh, sorry thirteen runs in that sphere. Started out in France, won early in the season at Weatherby and Musselburgh, uh, both at odds on. Went off, I think, second fav for the finale juvenile. Bogged down in the ground, bogged down in the ground behind Porticello again last time. Ran a slightly better race there, though. Finishing runner up to him in the victor Dorum may not get in off one two two, but if he does, I think he's one to to bear in mind. Really, back in a handicap, you know, his his platform suggests he'd be juicing one two two. He wants ground. I think on the quicker side than what he's been getting, especially last time out against an absolute slot plover, Porticello. Uh, if there was going to be one further down the field, it'd be him. But I quite like the Titans, to be fair, and I find it hard to see him out of the frame. There were other interesting ones to say Champion Green, Brazil, Icar Allen, all for JP. HMS Seahorse was a decent flat horse for Aidan O'Brien and ran third behind Vaubon and Pied Piper on Hurdle's debut one at Fairy House in February. He's half interesting as well, might need to bush up on his jumping. But other than that, it's a race that takes little interest to me.
2: Fair enough. Scrap it. Three-day festival, scrap that
1: race. For a race, we're all keen to scrap. like we've had a good old 15 minutes talking about it.
0: <laughs> it's good fun, though. Do you know what? I'd, I, I I don't think it should be here, but I'm glad it exists. I'd just rather it be on the Imperial Cup card. <laughs> you know, uh, because you can look clever, can't you? Because you can kind of, because so many of these are unexposed, you can kind of do what I do and try and blag myself looking smart by trying to put a 40 to one shot up. And if and I've been even more smart by putting one up that might not get in, so he, so I might he might not get hammered.
2: He can't be crude. Shrewd. Shrewd, shrewd man.
0: True, he he might not come twenty fourth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he tips a horse that jumps like a snooker table.
0: Shut up, Jimmy, it's forty like, to one. You put off that's, off why, translations, that's why so the boys want him. Uh we'll move on to the final race of the meeting. Uh the national hunt chase. The Ukraine appeal national hunt chase this season. Statler is 3-1, five to beat. Run wild, Fred at 7-2. Six is Vanillier, or Vanier, as it's pronounced now, apparently. Uh, tens for root line 12, does he know who doesn't run here? Same price, 3 under through 5, who doesn't run here? 14 to 1, bar them, including Brayside, Fury Road, and Pats, Fancy. Dan, I'll come to you first here, mate. Uh, I love this race tricky-ish this
1: season, though. Very tricky. Yeah, I I think it's a very uh, open renewal. Uh, Again, Vanillier has come in a lot in recent days and weeks because of Derek O'Connor's booking being confirmed. Uh, A note tonight, we found out that Jamie Codd definitely rides Brayside, uh, so that's a, a plus for his chances. He's got plenty of experience from handicaps, although the last couple of runs haven't been all that inspiring. But I expect the 16s to 1. He currently is probably to go based on jockey bookings alone. It's, it's, you probably need to start at the head of the market. And Statler is a horse that really just uh, confuses me. I, I'm not really sure what he is. I thought he had a, a very good chance in last year's Albert Bartler, which I think has turned out to be a, a, a really poor race when you look through it. I don't really know how he was beaten, but I thought he travelled really well. And he just seemed to get outstayed, in my view. He then looked very quick on his chase debut over two, I think it was two mile five, he ran over that day. And then he looked a real grinder at Nace over three mile one. I obviously beat Farouk Delen, who's, who's boosted that form since. I those are just his two chase starts. I, I'm always concerned about these Willie Mullins novice chasers in the National Hunt Chase. I've only had two starts. Looks very attractive on the profile and on looking at the form lines. And they just don't tend to thrive in races like these. Like This is a race... Since it became a level weights race, the average winner has already had seven starts over fences before lining up here. It's all about experience for me. And there's one horse that encapsulates that more than most, and that's Ramal Tread. Obviously, he already had 10 starts over fences. Only win came in the Troy Town off 145, but that was a fair old effort off that weight. And he's, he's backed that up since without necessarily going up beyond it and proving himself to be massively progressive. But he's run well in graded company since. He's proven himself to be, if not top class, just a bit below that. And I think this is the kind of race that, look, it's, that's what this race is for generally. Like it's not for the absolute top notchers. Well, unless you're talking Galvin, who probably wins the gold cup this year, but generally it's for horses who are a bit below. And I think this is his ultimate target. And I think that's kind of why Giggins Town are having to run him here because he's not really going to peel as extremely well handicapped off one five eight. He's not Gold Cup class or Grade 1 Open Company class. So this is his race. This is the race he should be winning. He's got a very likable profile for the race. I have no concern about him coming off a break. He's going to be teed up for it. I think Rob James is going to be riding him. I think that is the plan. Um, very capable and claims £7 pounds as well. So I think he's the most likely winner. But I think it, it, it's one of those races, again, it's a very tricky open heat. And I think you'll see a lot of... Cr- Lots of cases made for horses at each way prices.
0: Yeah, I can see that completely, mate, and I am completely with you. I find it, I find it hard to see Statler getting home here, given the amount of times he's looked to have a fair amount of pace and his effort in the, in the uh, Spud race last season. I, I think he may be the. Possibly the most natural ability in this race. I'm shocked he's a national chase horse, though. And I often, like you said, I also think Willie Mullins runs some very strange horses in this. Carefully selected was the was <laughs> the worst odds-on favorite I've ever seen at Cheltenham.
2: Yes, he was. was yeah, are you yeah, still absolutely. tipping him to win the stairs Luke?
0: He'd <laughs> have had a chance if he were. If he were, <laughs> I don't know where he is. get lost. <laughs> Well, it, it wasn't a bad shot, would it? Because he can't jump a fence and he's a slow, slow boat. Uh, no, away from horses who haven't run for two years. Uh, like I said, this is just run wild. This should be run wild for bread and butter, this, shouldn't it? And I think he's quite a confident selection for me here. Battle hardened grizzled. Uh, grizzled. <laughs> It's grizzly. Probably, <laughs> grizzly, he's a grizzly bear, Yet yeah. No, he was probably uh look, he was probably giving a bit of a false rating after he won the Troy Town. But went, you know, ran a good race when second to Fury Road in the in that grade one over Christmas, the Fort Laney as much of a probably a below par grade one as it was, but the Irish national runner up, winner of a Troy town, graded form. Uh there's just very little not to like about his profile in this. And when I, I can see the favourite falling in a hole as I can with Statler, uh, it's one that I'm not on the fence about here. I have I have a clear pick of the two, and for me it's run wild well all day long. Uh, Jim, I assume you're with Statler
2: then? Uh, no, I I don't like either of the two at the head of the market. Uh, it's a race that I tend to look for a bit of each way of value in. Um, the first one that landed me, that I've sort of landed on, is Pat's Fancy. Um, the, the booking of uh, Barry O'Neill certainly interesting. Um, second to Brave Man's game last time out, uh, and winner twice at Chepstow on soft ground, and good soft ground over three miles. Very, very slow horse who was touted for, a, for a, a time for the Albert Bartlett last year. And Dan's mentioned already how poor that Albert Bartlett form turned out to be. Uh, the winner of uh, who a lot of, I love to blow my own trumpet. Tips by me last year. Um, <laughs> a year later, still getting well, it. I've got I've got two because it doesn't happen very often. Um, <laughs> Fair <enough. laughs> um, uh, This race will suit him. His jumping's been slightly sloppy so far, um, but I, I think the the race he ran first time out of him over two miles far was never going to suit. Uh, We know that he's a very, very slow horse and was given a very good ride by Mark Walsh last year in the Albert Bartler. Uh, He's been beaten by a fair amount of these. An extra five furlongs is probably what he needs. Um, He he doesn't do anything quickly. Gavin Cromwell's yard have all of a sudden sprung into life after having a very quiet January uh, and a a normal, quiet February as well. Um, the, The last few days, he's had a fair amount of winners, five winners out of... 43 runs, 12% strike rate, which is better than what it's been for a, a very long time. Um, and I, I have a feeling that Vanillier has been warming up for a task similar to this. And I, I think sixes is is a fair enough price about him. Uh, but I, he, I don't think he's as likeable as a few others, so I'm expecting him to drift on the day. But Pat's fancy is another one of mine that I think at 12 to 1 could be of more interest for... for He's going to be the most competitive of the, of the English runners.
0: Welsh, but we'll allow it, Jim. Uh, <laughs> Pat's, Pat's fancy. No, I, I can completely see the case. You know, just just like a slow, slow, slow horse. It will keep going at the end. Uh, it be funny if Fantastic has
1: turned up in this race, No, don't start. No. <laughs> I've been I've been having all this stuff all season about where Fantastic Gus goes if he goes to the Scottish National National One Chase no he wins the ultimate let's leave it at that okay <laughs> <laughs> I, <won't... laughs> I can't wait to see him win the National One Chase if he wins the National One Chase I won't have a penny on and I will cry and I'll not come back Zach
2: Baker doesn't he ride quite a few for for Twist and amateur rider
1: he does yeah
2: it's it's all slipping into place now Dan. Yeah,
1: um, who do I want on my horse? Do I want to take on horses wrote 160 off-level weights with Zach Baker versus Jamie Codd, Derek O'Connor, Barry O'Neill, or do I want Sam Twiston-Davis, the absolute god of getting a horse over the line, strongly struck in the weighing room, in a handicap chase, with a, with a profile of a horse that absolutely will bolt up in an ultimate? Hmm, tough one. Na- National chase. <laughs> National one chase it is, yeah. See you there.
0: <laughs> just trying to torment everyone. Uh, yes.
1: It's too late for this. I can't deal with this, sir. This time of the evening,
0: <laughs> of, of the others that we've not mentioned, unsure vanillier's is really taken to chasing properly, and
1: <laughs> doesn't jump well.
0: No, and, that, me. and like you said, the the Albert Bartlett last season was a, a strange race. You know, the the runner-up Oscar Elite, who looked a chaser, you know, at the early part of the season. Hasn't done anything yet. Uh, you know the horse, the horse probably most impressive that's come out of that is is, is a three under three five who finished sixth. It's a race I I, I read very little into in form terms and he's shorter than he should be on what he's gone over fences so far. Farouk Delin is a good horse and if he stays he'll be a threat. I don't know he's 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 not a boat, is he? He's got a bit of, he's got a little bit of pace about him. He stays well though he does stay well but again this is kind of. Kind of a new, a new discipline for him. Very closely matched with Statler on their meeting at Nace. Possibly shouldn't be the, the disparity in price between the pair of them. To be fair, with Farooq Dolan available at tens and Statler at threes, especially I'd I'd almost half consider Farooq Dolan a, a slightly likely a stayer. Does
1: he run Farooq I Does he go? Will they send him to the uh, Brown advisory?
0: I don't know, mate. I don't know. Yeah. He's he's involved. To be fair, so that that's that's a good that's a good a good point to bring up. I mean, he's exactly. likely to win this, isn't he? But uh...
1: he, he, yeah, certainly. But you know, Gigginstown aren't the massive huge fans. Obviously, I think they're sending Rombard Fred reluctantly. Um, I think there's might be a bit more long-term longevity in Fruit Dillon as opposed to as opposed to Fred, which is maybe why they'll send Fred and not Fruit Dillon here. Would be that's me just speculating there.
0: No, that, that makes sense. Gordon's also running Brayside here.
1: He is, yeah. Cods on board. Uh that's been confirmed today.
0: Yeah just disappointed his last two starts, didn't he? He was mm-hmm. he was an eye catcher in the paddy power, but you know, Saddle slipped in the Fiestes, but just, I don't know. A small small field graded race like the ten up. Probably wasn't going to suit him, but it was worse than I'd have expected. Uh, I'd, I'm probably waffling now, because I've, I've already said before, run while Fred win. <laughs> Are you with me on that, Dan?
1: I am. Yeah, I am.
0: Um, Watson's being awkward once again with Pat's fancy, although, I, you know what, I'm not slating him for that, because I completely see it as well. Uh, that's the first day of Cheltenham. We finally got through... Uh, Nap time please lads, we'll start with you Jim, your three best bets for the opening day of the Cheltenham Festival.
2: So the time is one thirty-four thirty-five on the Tuesday of Cheltenham and I am brimming with absolute bullishness nature as Constitution Hill is tanking under uh, Nico de Boinville, cruising past Dysart Dynamo and romping up that hill and here's <laughs> my nap on the first day of Cheltenham uh, my next best will come shortly after, and uh, and and if this one comes in, I will be laughing my way to the Guinness Village uh, in Saint Sam, uh, and it wouldn't be a, a nap competition without sticking the the, the good friend lost uh, in there to run a to run a race in the ultimate. Oh, oh, tragic! Absolutely <laughs> tragic. And then I'm done. Then by the 250, I've I've cleaned up. I've gone home, and um, see you later. And uh, I'll happily. Watch Fantastic
0: Us win the National Hunt Chase. Dan, please bring the podcast back into the light.
1: I Look, I've been bullish and bold enough. I think I've been leading the Fantastic Us fan club, so I I, I will make him the nap on the day. Uh, For the Ultima, let's be clear, the Ultima, the race he will win, not the National Hunt Chase. Um, Yeah, I absolutely love the horse's profile. He will go very close. Um, For the next best, oof, I'll probably just edge with tell me something, girl. Again, I might be a bit of anti-post bias swaying me here, but I, I do think the race will be set up nicely for her. And it's been all about this race for her. So there's no reason why she won't go close. And in with a chance, I shall go with, again, in a similar vein, I think the race will set up. I think Blue Lord, I think 7-2 to two about him, is very generous. And I think he's been for horse of his nature and his profile he's maybe being underestimated
0: fair enough mate fair enough I'll I'm going to join you the nappy's fantastic ass he <laughs> love it on the on the first day of the Cheltenham Festival uh, up the boys up the Twiston Davises uh, my next best the thing is I like so much actually on the first day the more I think about it I, c- I could probably have I could I could put a couple in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just about run wild. Fred as the next best to outstage Statler in the National Hunt and Chase, and the third pick would be Edward Stone in the Arkle, just ahead of something Something girl. I think both faves there will win, but probably a little bit more confident about Edward Stone and his horse I've got behind all season, so I probably can't desert him now. Uh, after I've bigged him up on the pod. Uh, Two quick things before we go. What price would you both give us on Britain being 3-0 up after the first three races?
2: Even money.
0: Even Even money? money?
2: Mm. I'm I'm
1: confident.
0: (sighs) He does fast things, do not he, Dan?
1: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you get many people snapping your end off for of that <laughs> that's for sure uh, that's a, oh that's a good question well I think the ultimate you can cut I would say is a very strong likelihood um, we'll win the ultimate and we will John Bon or
2: John Bon or Constitution Hill will win the first and Edward Stone's a nap, innit? surely shooing we're going to beat them Ivy. let's have them
1: <laughs> the patriotism flooding yeah, through so you.
0: you'd, you'd, you'd lay Edward Stone at 2 to one, but, but that's not what I said no, but he is. He's twos. You'd lay Edward Stone at twos, but Edward Stone to win plus two others, it'd be even money. It, yeah,
2: I'm not giving anything away. I, I'm laying Tell Me Something Girl at eight to one. I, I need to get
1: something to somewhere. <laughs> this is the worst bookmaker of all time, but also the best. <laughs> the book's all over the place.
2: That's why I'm not a
1: bookmaker. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, for, the, for the first three, I'd say what, 11 to four,
0: three to one maybe? To win, for Britain to win the first three
1: I think that would be about right again I've no idea that's just, just a, a guess
0: yeah it's interesting because I, I, I think it's very very possible uh, it's possible yeah my my final point before we go would be to Dan and just saying what what would be our other best bets in the festival away from oh. the Tuesday oh
1: god oh you f- I think it's fantastic as it's probably the horse I actually do fancy the, the most which is uh Maybe slightly alarming because by the third race, it almost might go completely up in flames. Um, I, there's two in the Coral Cup. But, I mean, we'll, we'll play JP hat bingo, but I, I'm keen on either the Shunter or Camprond. Uh, both very different reasons, uh, very different profiles, but they're both, I think you can both available at like 16, 14 to one. I think they've got very big chances in the Coral Cup. And in the plate is a race I've been trying to get in my head around today. And I've eventually, Come down on, if I can find it, because I had a note in front of me, Fusel Raffles, uh, who's finally d- back down to a mark in the 140s, having been constantly in the 150s throughout his career. Fourth, he was second in the marsh last year. He's not a stayer over three miles, put a line for his last run, ran very well with chelton the last day off, 152. had a really Made a really bad error, I think, down the, down the back at the 10th, lost his position, but still was only beaten four lengths, dropped three pounds for that. Normally ridden prominently, which suits Nicky Anderson has a great record in the race. I don't think it's a great race this year at all. And I think of 149, he will be bang there at the finish.
0: I like like those shouts, mate. Dan, thanks for being here with us, mate. It's always a pleasure.
1: No, mate, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And I will sleep easy tonight because I'm absolutely exhausted. (laughs) But thanks very much, mate. It's always fun.
0: Jim, I'll speak to you tomorrow, mate. Uh, Thanks for being here as well, mate.
2: Thank you, and you you can understand why the real winner of Tipstar was Dan in comparison to me. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much, Dan, for for being on, and hopefully we've uh, pointed you in a few
0: directions. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk to you about the rest of the festival later in the week.